Well, we started a series last week called Good Ground, at least for now, that's what we're calling it. We'll see how things come out, you know, uh, stuff. As you start, you know, you kind of see how things are coming out and where it's going and, and what we're emphasizing. So those are always subject to change. But let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. Mark 4, verse 1, it says, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. So this is a parable Jesus is sharing with the, the crowd there. And uh, he goes on to say in verse 10 then, um, they ask him about it. And it says, verse 10, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And then in verse 13, Jesus starts to actually explain what this means. Verse 13, it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, The sower sows the word. So now he's explaining you know, the imagery was that a sower is going out sowing seed and it falls on different types of ground. Here he's talking about each type of ground and what's actually being represented. The sower sows the word, verse 15, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirty-fold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So the last part of that says, But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirty-fold, some sixty, some hundredfold. So Jesus is explaining each part, or each uh, type of ground. And, uh, you know, briefly, he says the ones that... that fell on the, the wayside, those are the, the, that represents Satan coming immediately and stealing the word. So the word is sown, it gets stolen immediately. Then there's the, word, the ones that are, are on the, the stony ground, and the, 
those receive the word, they're excited about it, but then uh, they only endure for a little bit. As soon as there's a challenge, they drop it. Then the ones that are sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the world and it, be, word and it becomes unfruitful. So they started out well, they're going forward, but then they, don't, they ended up uh, getting sidetracked. And then in verse 20, these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. So the ones on good ground actually bore fruit. They actually saw uh, something good, the word, produce in their lives. The word good, that's used for good ground, and it's, uh, it means beautiful, good, valuable, virtuous. Um, it's translated in the King James, better, fair, good, honest, meet, well, worthy, talking about the type of ground. And that's the only type of ground that produces any fruit. In the, in the Passion Translation, Matthew 13, 8, it says, But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a harvest. Some, some yielded uh, 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as he planted. So this is in, the, in Matthew's account. Uh, in the Passion Translation, it says it calls it good, rich soil. In the NLT, it says still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop. Let's look at Proverbs 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. So talking about the word, talking about the word being sown, you could say when it comes into your ears, it's being sown. Verse 21, Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. So this here, Proverbs, is talking about the word uh, being spoken. And he's saying, don't let it depart. Keep, give it attention. Don't let it apart. depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. And then in verse 23, says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart. Your heart um, is where the word is sown. And we read that last week. We're not going to take time to put it up. But in Luke, it said, those that receive it with a good and honest heart. And so here, Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs, it's saying, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Your heart, the condition of your heart, is what's going to determine if the ground's good or not. And notice it says here, to keep your heart with all diligence. Good ground needs to be maintained. Otherwise, it's going to turn into one of those other grounds. I was just driving by uh, 
an office building today. And that office building used to be really maintained, the, the yard and everything, but right now it's all overgrown and there's weeds everywhere and, you know, it's a mess. Well, I mean, don't you wish your yard took care of itself? I mean, yeah, they have robots and stuff now that do some of that, but I don't know. You know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna take care of everything. They might do a little bit of work for you, but they're not gonna maintain everything at this point. Maybe sometime in the future they will. You know, that's been on the show, on the TV shows forever. You know, they have robots and they do everything. Well, we're not there, but wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be nice if it just maintained itself? It doesn't. It's, you know, everyone, I don't care how good your garden looks, how good your yard looks, if you just let it go, it's going to look bad. And they're gonna, there's going to be weeds in it. There's going to be, uh, it, it's not going to, the grass is not going to be growing, you know, properly. Weeds will take over. And so good ground needs to be maintained. And our heart, as we're, as we're going in life, that's what this parable is about. How is the word going to produce in our life? It's going to depend on our reaction to the word over time. I mean, in some of the, the, the part of the parable, there's one part where he's saying, at the beginning it looked good. The, the part where they're receiving the word, but then something comes and they let go of it. Well, then they weren't in a proper place to continue. And it's about the long haul. It's not about a snapshot. I mean, anybody can look good, hopefully. Anybody can look good for a few minutes. You know, you receive the word and glory to God. Praise God. It's you know, yes, in service, or you just, you know, you, you listen to a, a, you're streaming something, or you're in your car. You ever been there? You're in your, you know, you're listening to something, it's like, yes, I, I can see it. I am there. I mean, yes, whoever you're listening to, I see the word, I'll never be the same. Well, then, you know, some, until you, you know, you step back into your house, and whatever problem is there, or you know, you go back to work. Yes, I'm gonna get along with those people at work, and man, I'm gonna conquer. And those problems, you know, over the weekend, you're like, yes. And then you go back into work, and it hits you in the face. And within 10 minutes, you're 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 challenged. You're challenged to keep going on what you were so excited about 24 hours ago. You thought, no, we're past this. I see it. I got the word, and I'm you. You prayed, and you came in and the people are the same, and the issues are the same, and now you have a choice to make. Well, we can all get excited for a short period of time, but it's, it's over time. If you're going to bear fruit, if we're going to see results, it's got to be over time, right? It's like that with natural fruit, natural crops. I mean, I'm, I am from Nebraska, but, you know, I never was actually a farmer. You know, we have a lot of farmers in Nebraska, but my family were not one of those families that were farmers. My mom is a big gardener. Now, she had a garden, but I was never really into that. But I do know that, you know, you plant something one day, it doesn't shoot up completely and is fully mature the next day. It takes time, and it's going to take diligence uh, to actually um, bear fruit. But let's look at 2 Peter 3, verse 14. I want to focus on something specific, related. There's so much here, so we'll unpack this over time. But 
Um, let's look at 2 Peter 3, verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Verse 17, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14 started out saying, be diligent to be found in him in peace. And then verse 17 says, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand. Yeah, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Being led away with the error of the wicked but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the Amplified, verse 17 says, Let me warn you, therefore, beloved, that knowing these things beforehand, you should be on your guard, lest you be carried away by the error of lawless and wicked persons and fall from your own present firm condition by your own steadfastness, of mind. In the CEV, it says, My dear friends, you have been warned ahead of time. So don't let the errors of evil people lead you down the wrong path and make you lose your balance. And the NIV says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. So Peter here is giving a warning that you can get off. You can be, you can fall from being um, secure and fall from being steadfast and get to a position where you're not. And he's warning specifically, don't be influenced by people that are wicked or evil. Well, that's the world. We live in a fallen world. And we have to know that there is a temptation for that to wear on us. And if you think that's not true, then... We're contradicting Scripture. Why is he even saying that then? Because it's possible. Doesn't matter how steadfast you are, if you're not careful, we can be influenced by just going through this world. That's why we have to be careful what we are exposed to and what we let uh, into our lives because it can affect us. And we are in it for the long haul. We want to bear fruit. We don't want to end up in one of these other piles. 
So if we're going to do that, we're going to have to do something that the people that are in the piles didn't do. <laughs> because otherwise, we're going to, you know, if you think, well, no, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the, the, last, the last group there. Well, we want to stay there. And it takes maintenance. It takes an effort. If it was just easy, then everybody would do it. Why would you even have the parable? If everybody just, oh, you hear the word and boom, bear fruit. We have an, ed we have an enemy. We have an adversary. And we are in a war. And we need to know we're in a war. Now, the devil's defeated. But he is going to try to deceive and to get a foothold so that he can basically get us to defeat ourselves. Because he can't, he can't frontally take us if we are steadfast in the Word of God and steadfast in who we are in Christ with God Almighty at our back and within us, then there is no way Satan can take us on. But if he can get us off, if he can get us looking at the wrong thing, if he can get us tainted with his influence in the world, that we let it in, we become weakened. And if we become weakened, then we can fall from the steadfastness and we can become vulnerable for the word to be choked, for the word to be stolen, for our lives, uh, what was supposed to be fruitful, for us to not be as fruitful. And God forbid, people end up, can in the very worst case, walk away from God. But it didn't start there. Somehow, if somebody's a stalwart Christian, uh, something has to change for them to be weakened and get to the point where they would back away from God. But it, it can't happen in the worst case. But just even in, in uh, somebody's life, if, if, if they start becoming lukewarm, start becoming not excited, not as strong in the things of God. So, you know, you see it all the time in the day and age we live in. What used to, even in culture, uh, be, be um, accepted and what people would dismiss as not acceptable now people don't dismiss it. They, people accept things. People are being worn down. People are saying, well, what's wrong with certain things? Why is that? Because there's an influence in the world and it just keeps coming. And if we don't know that and we don't push back and say, no, the word of God's true, I'm not letting ideas that contradict the word of God into my my mind or into my sphere, then we are susceptible to the deception that it has deceived other people. And Peter is saying here, look, you've been forewarned. This can happen. Don't. Don't be pushed off. Don't let the errors of evil people lead you down the wrong path. Look at James 
It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. In the, the Living Bible, it says, the Christian who is pure and without fault from God the Father's point of view is the one who takes care of the orphans and widows and who remains true to the Lord, not soiled and dirtied by his contacts with the world. Now, we're talking about on Sundays um, being commissioned. We have a commission from the head of the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So this is not saying we don't come in contact with the world. Of course, that's a whole, you know, there's a whole number of scriptures that, that we've been covering. We are supposed to be conduits and sharers of the gospel. But there's a difference between us sharing the gospel and coming into contact with people and letting the people that we're coming into contact with, uh, with start to change us. Those are two different things. We have to, we're in the world. And if we're going to get the gospel out, we're going to rub shoulders with people that are ungodly. Otherwise, how is the gospel going to get out? But if we're going to talk with people, see, Jesus did it. Jesus talked with all kinds of people, but they didn't bring him. They did not affect him. He affected them. Now, we have to be careful with that because some people will think, well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to change all the people. You know, they're going to they're go into somewhere and they're going to be changing everybody. Uh, well, if God's called them to do it, that's one thing. But if they're just doing it in their own strength, what happens more often than not is they get changed. They they start to get affected because the majority starts to wear them down. Well, I'm just going to start going into these areas. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that uh, gets, gets these people converted. Well, you want to talk to people and you want to share the gospel, but uh, the, the Bible doesn't tell you to be best friends with the world. In fact, it tells us to do the opposite because you will pick up their ways. In the NLT version, same verse says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. In the Passion Translation, it says, true spirituality is uh, that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows and their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. The world's value. See, the world has values and you can see it's on display. They have a certain set of values and trying to tell you these should be your values. But they contradict the Word of God. And it's been that way, right? It's always been that way, but boy, there's an onslaught in this day and age more than ever because you, you, it's so many ways that it's communicated. I mean, you go back 50 years, there's no internet. I mean, so what was that? It'd be about you know 1970-ish, early 70s. Um, if you go back 50 years, you, you had newspapers, you had word of mouth, you had books, you had limited TV, you know, maybe you get, I don't know, you get three channels at that point. You know, you had however many channels. You had to have an antenna, you know, I don't know if there's even cable at that point. It's limited. Not even VHS at that point. You know, so the limited communication, it's there, it's corrupt, but, the, you know, for it to spread is a lot more difficult. You fast forward to now, 
All you got to do is, you know, uh, pick up a device that fits in your pocket. You know, I, I, there was a meme that I just saw. Um, you know, it had people laughing in the background. You know, they'll have a background of just, you know, they, and they just put different words over it. But these were some guys laughing hysterically. And the text was, you know, my, my math teacher in um, elementary school or middle school telling me, you're not always going to have a calculator on you. So in other words, learn how to do it. And they're laughing because we do have a calculator on us all the time. Your phone is a calculator. So that didn't, that didn't, that didn't age well. You know, used to be a calculator. Well, you're not going to always have one. Well, no, you do. And you also have a conduit to the outside world and to anything you want to look up like that. And it's a pipeline, which is useful. But everything travels really fast, and that's true of wrong ideas, too. And they get embedded in so many more forms, and they're not obvious. You know, kids and, and adults alike, you know, you see certain things through all these different avenues and embedded in them, they may sound like a just cause if you're not putting it up against a standard. Well, this seems right. These people seem like they're fighting for something good. And then you realize, wait a minute, that contradicts the Bible. Well, if people don't understand the Bible, you can get swayed little by little. It's happened. It's happened to people that, you know, have gone to Bible school and known the truth and heard the Word of God. And then somebody starts telling them how God just loves everybody so much that they would, He would never send anybody to the hell, right? And you know, if he loves everybody so much, he never let them be created in a certain way that would contradict his word, so he must love them and it must be right, and they just start sliding down to where they're deceived. And they don't understand up from down, and they think they're right, and they think they have something new, and they don't. They just have another repackaging of, of evil. Well, it doesn't just happen. You've got to be on guard. You've got to realize that could, that could happen. We don't want to be corrupted by the words, the world's values. What you feed on is going to start affecting you. It absolutely will, even if it's by this much, it's affected you. And if, you, if we think we're immune, we're already deceived. We're talking about bearing fruit over time, and we're talking about maintaining the ground. Well, why would we want to be corrupted? Nobody in the right mind would say, oh yeah, I'm out to corrupt myself today. But it happens subtly. And it, do, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't go from here over to here. It goes from here to here. And you don't even, it doesn't even look like I moved. And then, now if you were to look away and I went like this, you would say, I'm in, you're in the same place, but I'm not. I know what you're thinking. If I go like this, well, pretty soon I will be over here. And then I will be over here. And I will not. I, I have moved, and I may think, the, see, the deception is I may think I haven't moved. But I have. I've moved. And I think I'm just as solid as I was when I was over there, but I'm not. 
And so I'm on the track to become a statistic. I'm on, I'm on a track to become one of these other groups. I don't want to do that. So if I'm going to be in the group that's going to bear fruit, then I need to maintain and I need to push the stuff, keep it out, just like you would have to maintain a garden, just like you'd have to maintain you know, anything that was growing, maintain your lawn. You can't just go like, well, that's good, we're good. It's all right, don't have to do anything now. Unfortunately, we live in a world that's fallen, and so we're going to have to do something. We have to be careful where we put our mind. We have to be careful where we put our focus. We have to be careful what kind of, I mentioned this several weeks ago, but it'll bear repeating. We have to be careful what type of music we put into our ears because it will absolutely affect you. It is very powerful. And anything you listen to, you are listening to the heart of the people that made it and whatever influenced them. There's a reason why, and we could go into it, but I mean, music moves people. It moves teens. Why are the kids, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know, I guess they do it now, but it's different music, you know, people go down the street and they got their windows open and they're blaring their music. Yes, you don't understand when you're a teenager, nobody really wants to hear your music. It is not really that cool to have your windows down. It's just like, okay, great, you like that music, just keep it to yourself. But I don't know. I guess there's adults that do that too. But music is so powerful and media is so powerful you know, if you watched a, a film without the score, it's a, different, it's a different experience. Mute it. You don't understand how much the music is affecting your mood and how you, you know, they, they want you to feel empathy or sadness. That music is gearing with what you're seeing on the screen to make you feel like that. You know, tearjerker. You're, you know, you're, you're, at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, I just, oh, I just, I just. well, part of that's the music. And then it goes into the credits at the end. There was, there was movies. When we had to watch it. There was movies that, that we watched that were children's movies, but at the end they had kind of a, a, it was melancholy music, and our kids would start crying. We were like, that's not good. <laughs> they can't listen to the music yet then because they're so moved by emotion. That's what music will do. We got to be, be careful because it can get into your head and believe me, I'm a musician. There are things that you, you, you hear, and it's, it's like it tries to pull you. You want to, you, you know, it's really cool. But, man, music is so powerful. And you're dealing with this, whatever moved those people when they created the music. And it's spiritual. And it will move us in the wrong direction. Well, it's just instrumental. <laughs> ha! There's instrumental music by so-called, well, they are geniuses. Classical music. I remember there's a period of time where I listened to, you know, certain classical music. I can name composers that are world-renowned, you know, died hundreds of years ago. 
And I realized after a period of time, I said, this, this stuff is depressing me. I'm not saying I'm just walled. I'm just realizing it's affecting my mood. I would listen to it while I was coding. You know, and I'm like, well, it's not a bunch of, instrumental is easier to listen to while you're doing something like that because you don't have the words to distract your brain. And um, at that point, I was like, well, you know, classical music. And I would listen to other stuff, but some classical music, I realized over time, wait a minute. And then you look up what, how their life ended. It's like, I don't want that. <laughs> they may have been a genius, but they, they were not stable. Not good. Well, that's a conduit. Get in there. Try to move you. Try to get you in a certain place. Try to introduce moods and affect you. Try to push you in a certain way. It can be like that with anything. We've got to just be careful because things are not as they seem. They're not obvious. In the world, there is wrong thinking but if it suddenly starts affecting us, it starts moving us just a bit. We don't understand and don't realize we've been moved. And now we're open to being moved further. Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice it said, do not be conformed to this world. Well, if you're conformed to this world, you're going to be acting like them. You're going to be responding like them. You're going to be believing like them. And that's not why we're here. We have an enemy and he's trying to get at us the word comes, but how we respond to the word over time is going to be dependent on the condition, how, how we maintain ourselves. You know, Proverbs said, be diligent. Keep your heart with all diligence. We read in Mark how, how different, um, there were different things that pushed on individuals, and maybe we'll get into this in more detail later, but they were going all right for a while, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choked the word. Well, how did it get to that place? It entered in initially and started the process. Any one of those areas, it started moving the, the, the desires, moving the hunger. It started rechanneling them. And we have to be aware. 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, Behold what manner the love of the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has yet been revealed that we shall be. Well, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. In the Amplified Classic, that verse 3 says, Everyone who has this hope resting on Him cleanses or purifies himself, just as He is pure, chaste, undefiled, guiltless. 
In the CEV, it says, this hope makes us keep ourselves holy just as Christ is holy. What does holy mean? Is it a religious word? It means set apart. It means separate. Now, like we said, it doesn't mean we don't come into contact with people. We absolutely need to come into contact with people to be messengers of the gospel, but we keep ourselves separate from the lifestyle, from the way of approaching life, from uh, the, the perceptions and ideas and values that would be contradicting the Word of God. You minister to people, in other words, serve them, uh, talk to them, but we have to be careful that those ideas don't corrupt ourselves. And so it's, it's, it's got to be on purpose to keep ourselves holy. Holy doesn't mean this, oh, I'm just so holy, aren't I great, I'm holy, I'm, I'm so far above, no, it, it means separate, it means that you're separated to God, it means there are things you won't associate with, it means th there are things that you won't let touch you, you won't let in because you don't want to see how close you can get to the line, you want to stay far away and strong, so that if there's a pull, you snap back. You don't want to get lulled like this and just starting to get weaker, weaker. Don't realize it to where the line's there and you can just be pushed off and then you find yourself in, in an emergency. But it's a process and it's on purpose. Let's read a few more. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's cleanse ourselves. In the NLT, it says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. That means you honor Him, so there's stuff that we don't want to mess with. In the Living Bible, it says, Having such great promises as these, dear friends, let us turn away from everything wrong, whether of body or spirit, and purify ourselves, living in the wholesome fear of God, giving ourselves to Him alone. That's what holiness means. You're separated for what? Unto Him. It means that not doing that, not doing that because I'm set apart for Him. I'm set apart so that I am not going to, I'm going to be guarding my heart. I'm going to be diligent about keeping things out. Why? So I can say, ooh, I'm better. No, it's so that I don't get caught up in something. See, the devil doesn't, we have an adversary. All the, the, the parable we read, that's Satan trying to get the word and trying to disrupt. He doesn't try to get people to sin just so he can say, goody, goody, I got you to sin. It's so he can steal. It's so that he can bring condemnation, so that he can get a hook in our flesh and lead us by it. Get us in a position that we are not able to resist. We're not able to keep from being corrupted. Get us in a position where we're weak. 
It reminds me of the, the proverb, and I, I don't have the scripture, but it, I, I want to say it's in five, Proverbs five, five, six, and seven, they all talk about, um, you know, staying away from the wayward woman, and there's a, a scripture, I want to say it's in five, but it may be in six, or, or one of the other ones. At the end, it says, and all the men that were taken down were all strong men. All that succumbed were all strong. In other words, you don't think that you're above this temptation or any other temptation. You take precaution to stay away because everybody that fell before you was strong. Until. Until. And that's exactly what we're saying here. You have, if, you want, if we want to bear fruit, then we got to make sure there's nothing corrupting that. Otherwise, we become, all of a sudden, in one of these other categories... Un, you know, maybe it's happening unbeknownst to us, but we're, we're not uh, ignorant, and we, we know that we've been forewarned, so we live in a world where we just got to be on guard, going, wait a minute, no, no, not, not even getting close, not letting that close. I'm not letting that close because I don't want that harming me. Let's look, one, look at one more, and we'll close. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. What's that? Wake up, be aware, strengthen yourself, pay attention. It says, And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, which you used to do, as in your ignorance... But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Be holy in all your conduct. What does that mean? You are separated in your conduct. To be holy, for I am holy. Be separate because God is separate. Because God's ways are different. We live in a world that there is more and more pressure in the world to conform. Did you notice that? We were at the retreat, uh, regional retreat, a few weeks ago, and uh, one thing the speaker brought out is the people that were persecuted. Yeah, probably say more of this in in the future. But one, the the, peop, the people that were persecuted throughout the ages, the Christians, they in, in the early um, centuries, they weren't persecuted because they believed in Jesus. They were persecuted because they wouldn't conform. And without going into it, because people were okay with all different types of gods. So it wasn't any big deal that they worshiped Jesus. It was a big deal that they didn't worship anything else. And they wouldn't conform to what everybody else was doing because then people took it as an offense that you're not pleasing the gods and then other stuff happened and then they blamed the Christians because the Christians wouldn't bow their knee. They, the Christians wouldn't bow their knee to anything else. They would only worship God. Well, isn't that kind of like what you see now? People are mad because you won't accept what they believe. Not so much you worship Jesus, you just won't accept that everything else is okay. That's where we're at. It's, you can worship Jesus if you want, but you, you, I'm okay too, right? And this is okay and this is okay. So you say no, that's a problem. But there are, there are quote-unquote, Christians that 
are saying, well, we worship this way and you worship that way and we accept all that, and they're accepted. That's just fine. Nobody has a problem with that. Why? Because you accept what the world does. It's a problem, though, when you start saying, no, not going to do that. Well, why? You think you're better. You think you're so good. What? Why? You think this is wrong. See, it's a push to try to conform. And we have to be on guard that that way of thinking doesn't push onto us to where it's like, well, maybe that's, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's, after all, everybody, everybody's doing stuff. I mean, everybody thinks, well, see, that's, that's derailing. We're called to be separate and called to guard our heart and guard, guard, called to stay lined up with what the Word says so that we can stay strong regardless of what this world does, that we stand on the Word, we're separated unto the Lord, and we keep lined up with Him. And so we're, we, we have a guard that we have an armor. We have the ability to stay strong in the midst of adversity because we haven't been weakened by being corrupted by some of these influences. And then we can run our race and we can stay strong throughout and we can keep bearing fruit. Even in the midst of this, because this isn't the worst time on the planet, you know, there's been... There's been bad times, but we, in our day and age, we can stay strong, steady, and go forward. Amen?